Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, we, got, we had some games in the, in the NHL last night. We're going to talk a little World Junior. We're going to take some questions in the chat later on. Um, but we'll start with some pre-show stuff. Go ahead, Russ. So let's talk about injuries in sports and how they're reported. I know we've talked about it before, but we, we're we starting to see where, and I don't know if it's so much the gambling influence, but it, it could be, but it's just more interest in fans and reporters wanting to know what's up with guys. So as an example, you have Carson Wentz in Philly. The other day, Doug Peterson, the coach, comes out and says, you know, he's got a tight back or a sore back, and we're monitoring it, and – you know, he may not play this week. He's questionable. Then you find out that, well, there's a CT scan, and then you find out all this other stuff, right? So then they go back today, and he comes back and says, well, he has a um, – Stress he, fracture. He didn't say a stress fracture. He said a stress problem or something like that. He wouldn't say fracture. Would not I say have the a word stress fracture. problem. I know. <laughs> We all have stress problems. It was something like a stress situation, a stress problem, but he wouldn't say stress fra- stress injury. I think it just said stress injury. And he wouldn't say a stress fracture, and he said uh, non-surgical will cure it and could be, you know, it could be a while. We don't know. It's developing. And I don't want to answer questions about it, right? So you, he's already at that point – shedding so much doubt on what's going on, whether the team doctors did it right, whether the team did it right. Like all these questions start coming up because they're just not open about what's going on with the guy. What's funny about this is if you just go by league rules, league rules are he's got to be on the injury report. Now at 10 minutes into this press conference, he finally did answer someone when they asked the prognosis and he goes, could be up to three months. Well, if a guy could be up to three months being out, why in the world is he questionable for this week's game? Like that, and that's where we get into for all sports. They need to do a little better job with this because, again, it just casts too much doubt and there's not enough information about what's going on with your favorite players or your favorite team or a team you might be gambling on. Well, and and there's a little bit of echo here. The, the player was Carson Wentz, Dan. Okay. Um, but the, the funny, the funny thing is, is that, and I heard this from a uh, reporter up in Toronto and I won't reveal the reporter, but I'll talk about, uh, the player. And it was like in, in the context of fan, like a fantasy playoff, fantasy hockey draft. If you remember a few years ago, I believe it was the last time that the Blackhawks won the cup. Patrick Kane wasn't supposed to be back until the second round and at least the second round, maybe even the conference final. And this reporter found out from his contacts that Patrick Kane was going to play in the playoffs. So, of course, he drafts him in like the fifth round or sixth round. And, you know, he wins, he probably ends up winning the pool because nobody thought he was going to be uh, in and nobody thought he was going to be at 100%. But because 
the reports out there were he wasn't going to play. It caught the team that they played in the first round unsuspecting. And then, you know, I don't know if they were fully prepared for Patrick Kane being in the, in the Blackhawks lineup. What I'm, what are, to the point I'm trying to make here is we know that in the NHL, in the playoff scenario, there is this chicanery, there's this shell game, there's this haze in terms of the, the severity of injuries because you have the fear that they're, you know, the other team is going to target the person. This guy injury. hasn't practiced all week. There is 0% chance of him playing. Zero. Right, and then that's and that's what that's what I think is going on here is that he's listed as questionable, but they're making the other team. But the other team's going to ignore it, right? If you play for the other team, they were like, "We know Carson Wentz isn't playing. We know Nick Foles is playing." My basic point is, at some point, I think a league needs to do something with this and say, "No, no, 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 no." After what you've just said, he can no longer be on the list as questionable. That's just silly. And the point I made, Jan, is the is the fact that. The NFL allows this to be done because what the hell are we talking about right now? They want the attention. They want the controversy. They want, you know, I don't think they do anything about officiating because the controversy drives content on ESPN and other outlets. I think they like this chaos. They enjoy it. Well, I mean, it's interesting. So you compare the NFL and the NHL. The NFL for at least gives you what the injury is they're forced now to give you if the players practiced on a limited or a full basis right. but if you compare and contrast what we've seen in the NA in the nhl where we have concussions referred to as upper body injuries right you've had misrepresentation of whether or not the player actually has an upper body or a lower body injury and they won't reveal what that injury is won't reveal if he's going to be out and how long of an absence is so the nhl with, with the migration now to the gambling that's become prevalent across all of the leagues. They're going to have no choice, I think, but just kind of, quote-unquote, up their game and be forced right. to provide real information and, honestly, real-time information. So, And again, the NH in the NHL, right, in the playoffs, if a guy has a broken thumb for a The playoffs is never going to be real-time. It won't. No, okay, so, sorry. Real information as opposed to the yeah. pseudo-information we're getting now or the misinformation. Right. But the problem becomes is how do you force a team, if you're in the playoffs and a guy has, let's say, a broken thumb or a broken wrist or whatever – to not necessarily give you inaccurate information. I mean, are you going to actually find that team? Yeah, you penalize. Oh yeah, you're in a big fine. Yeah, you penalize them. You have to. Okay. If you don't, if you don't then they're, then you're just basically backing them for being surreptitious. And if you do that, then they'll do they'll keep doing it because there's no penalty. There's no consequence. Well, here's here's what I think. They'll call it gamesmanship as opposed to being surreptitious. So. No, I get it. But here's what I here's what I think, and this is how you could eliminate the gamesmanship. I think what they should do is when they have the pregame skate, the minute that ends, the team has to come out and put out a report. What's up with the players not playing the scratches? Right. Because and if it's a real healthy scratch, fine. Because we always see the chicanery of guys warming up with teams that can never ever play, like Joe Thornton, as an example. Just one thing here, uh, baseball related, before we start the show. Um, there was a three-way trade yesterday that confused me a little bit, Russ, between the Indians, the Mariners, and the and the Tampa Bay Rays. And the reason it confuses me is because the Seattle Mariners are obviously in some sort of teardown where they're trying to peel off salary, you know, although they 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 just wanted to get rid of Robinson Cano because of the right. you know the 80 game suspension and you know but the, and they wanted the 5 years off of off of the off of their books and they're paying I don't know what is it 60 70% of of his salary so 
you know, they're not getting a lot of savings, but they're getting some. But then they turn around and they trade for Edwin Encarnacion, who's making twenty five million or twenty to twenty five million for how many more years? Two years. Okay. So, so where? Okay, where is this? Where is? And I don't. I don't think. I don't think the Indians are retaining any salary here. So it's a very. Well, no, the Indians got Carlos Santana, didn't they? And he's making twenty yeah. a year. So that's where the other part of this is. So, so Carlos Santana, but, but also don't forget Tampa Bay. He's originally he's going to end up in Tampa Bay. Who is? And, and the rumor is that as part of that trade, Encarnacion will end up in Tampa Bay. Okay. That's where Bob Nightingale. Then it was contradicted. Then it's been reported again. That's why Bowers, I think, and Diaz were both part of that deal. Okay. To make sure to why he ends up in Tampa. And again, there's a that, lot of back and forth on it, but I think that's the end result of what the trade's going to be. All right. So they're being the clearinghouse. And the, right. Phillies, the Phillies originally traded Santana. So now he's been traded again. <laughs> And he ended up on the team that he originally was on. Right. This is what happens when salaries get bigger. This is what happens. Remember, the, everybody wants to harp on the Bobby Bonilla deal. The Rockies are just getting out of Mike Hampton's contract this year. And he yeah. was signed in 2001. My big joke is he – and he said it in the press. He wanted to go there because the school systems were better, not because he was getting paid an extra $50 million. Yep. And, and clearly – all this time later, the Rockies were paying Hampton deferred money, but nobody mentioned the Hampton deal. They always mentioned the Benilla. Yeah, then, Michael Meyer on Twitter, one of the guys who's a Met beat, does some Met stuff for Metsmerize, put together a, a fairly comprehensive list of deferred payments. It's huge. And also take a look yeah. at what the Nos Washington Nationals are paying in deferred payments for Scherzer and some of these other guys. I'm sure. Oh, it's huge money. Again. I don't love yeah. the of a million dollars a year, and I guess somebody's gonna have to wipe the smile off his face, as he told Bob Clappish in the uh, in the Met yeah. Clubhouse that year. Um, but he's not the only one, and he's not even the one making the most amount of money here. No, and I know then, it's just the one that everybody likes yeah. to go to. And and right. then, and, then, and then you know you wonder how soon because remember to Troy Tulowitzki got uh, not bought out; they basically just told him go away. You know, we're going to pay you your $38 million for the last two years. I'm wondering when that's going to happen with the Yankees, with Jacoby Ellsbury, but I think they think that he actually might come back and play, and they might be able to pawn him off on somebody else and pay and pay like 75% of his salary just to get rid of him. I but. think it will happen this year with Ellsbury. I will tell you, I don't understand the Blue Jays in the sense that we all knew Chulowitzki should not be playing on turf based on his back problems and other things. That's why when teams like – the Mets and other teams with grass were looking for him. It was so stupid that, and I didn't want the Mets to get him because of this injury history of his, and it's proved out, but to put him on a team with turf, I get, and you said they wanted to get rid of Reyes so bad that, yeah. you know, they did it, but boy, you can't, these days you've got to really do your research. And if there's yeah. a guy who is going to play a fair amount of games with a bad back on AstroTurf, you should not get that player. A Blue Jay, a Blue Jay reporter said all they did was kick the kick the uh, the can down the road because yeah. uh, Reyes's contract would have been up in a, like a, a year after, and they they yeah. knew at that point that Tulowitzki was was still a good shortstop. But the problem is, is that you know right now he told the Blue Jays either I'm playing shortstop or I'm not playing. So they he gave him an ultimatum, and that's why they they just cut him loose. They didn't want that bad juju around the team. Apparently, yeah. All right, let's. Really gonna, it's gonna matter. All right, anyhow. Yeah, and yeah, they're gonna be a seventy win team. Okay, let's start the show. Uh, hello, hockey world. Today is Friday, December fourteenth, twenty eighteen. I'm Jan Levine. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. 
And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, we had eight games on the schedule last night. We'll talk about a few of them. Uh, take some questions at the end of the show. We'll talk about the World Junior and a few other things. Uh, start with the game that we sort of previewed at the end of the show yesterday. It was the matchup of the teams with the two best records in the NHL. And really, um, it wasn't much of a contest after the, the last part of the second period. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning win 4-1, to one, mostly on the back of uh, Andre Vasilevsky, who came back from a broken foot and uh, made 48 saves, some of a very spectacular variety. Um, but it was sort of an opportunistic game, even though you know the, the Lightning only had 21 shots on Frederick Anderson, but they, they got a shorthanded goal in the first period. They got a power play goal that just went over the goal line when Anderson made a glove save. And then gave, the Leafs gave up two goals in 34 seconds in the last minute of the second period. But um, – Russ, I don't know how much how much of this game you watched. I watched the entire thing. The thing that I come around come away with is you saw a more complete team, even though they were outchanced by the Leafs, and even though the Leafs had a lot of, you know, they, they there was a lot of things to be happy about if you're a Leaf fan. They couldn't beat Vasilevsky. The you look at the Lightning, they're a deeper team, they're a better defensive team, and they had the better goalie on the night. So, I mean, to me, it shows that Kyle Dubas still has a lot of work, and that uh, uh, that uh, the uh, air the air to uh, Julian Breezebaugh, the air to Steve Eiserman, could pretty pretty much sit on his hands, and that team will contend for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I I came away with a few things. First one was yes, Vasilevsky is a great goalie, and. I, when they asked me about him on Sirius XM, I, you know, the writing, I felt like the writing was on the wall for him always to be a potential superstar goalie. So no shock there, but I hate when coaches make excuses and just say goalie stood on his head. You know, that's why he's lost. We were lost. It wasn't. The, Tampa is defensively superior to, to the Leafs. And when the Leafs do pinch a little too far, you get a guy like Sorelli and they couldn't catch him. And that's another problem for the Leafs is, they almost shouldn't pinch at all with their defensemen because they're just not good enough. And you play a team like Tampa, you're going to get lost in that one big play. And I think that was the game-winning goal, right? No, that was that was the that was the game that that was the goal that turned the game around. They were up one nothing. They were getting a lot of chances. Okay. It was a power play, and William Nylander comes up the ice, up the middle, gets poke checked, turns it yeah. over, and for some reason Jake Gardner decided to go to the right instead of staying up the middle, and Sorelli went the other way right up the middle and, be, and beat Anderson. Yeah, and, and that play showed me something. Like, that play was like, okay, this is a flaw with the Leafs that has existed for a couple of seasons now, and because of the way the NHL is, they have not been able to get it rectified, and I don't know if they'll get it rectified this year. They, I, I know it's like Mike sounds like a broken record always saying they got to do this or this to get that top four guy, and I always say it's hard to get that top four guy, and literally – the entire time Brendan Shanahan has been there, they have not been able to fill this vacancy. They have filled it with lesser guys like right. Hainsey and, and other things, and they've not been able to fill this need. And, and two things, Jan. One, um, you could see that Tampa Bay is much stronger in terms of offensive depth. I mean, their third line is is what used to be their first line. You know, they had Palat and Kalorn and and Tyler Johnson. As their third line, the fourth line was Adam Ernie and I think Sorelli. Yeah. Uh, and and the thing is, is that fourth that fourth line up against 
the well, actually it was the third line up against the Leafs fourth line. Babcock, after the goal that made it three one, puts out his fourth line, which was a makeshift of Freddie Gauthier, Par Lindholm, and Tyler Ennis. Ennis has had a good year. Lindholm has has not been bad in terms of being a center. Uh, that they signed out of the SHL, but Freddie Gauthier is six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds, and can cannot keep up with the pace of the league. And that line was responsible for the death blow because they couldn't get the puck back. Johnson scores the goal. I don't know why a guy like Freddie Gauthier is in the NHL, other than they like him as a kid, and he's a, you know he's a good kid. I, I have nothing against him in that respect, but he's six four all day long, Mike. Yeah, yeah, he's six foot five, but the, the problem is he doesn't use his size. And I think he's a liability. And if they're going to beat teams in the playoffs, they need a fourth line that can actually do something. And with Freddie Gauthier, he, that line doesn't do anything. Well, I mean, it's something we discussed, I think, like two, last week or two weeks ago about the fourth line there, that it's something they need to remediate. And the, you know, the, the defense, first of all, as Russ said, has been, I don't know if I'd call it an issue, but something that needs remediation and need to add in some additional talent. And Tampa, I mean, you look at that team, and they're playing without Anton Strollman, and they still have an amazing defense, even without Strollman in the lineup who's been hurt. And then, as you said, you look at the depth that the Lightning have up front. I mean, their third line of Kalorn, Sorelli, and Miller, and Miller had played top six minutes after he came over last year, is mm -hmm. pretty good. And Sorelli is one of those guys. I actually wanted him over Howden uh, for the Rangers when all the trade talks were going through. So that kind of gives you a sense as to how much I like Sorelli. And Adam Ernie's been a guy that's been on the cusp for a couple of, couple of you know, a while. And Matthew Joseph has come up as another guy that, you know, that Iserman has found to put in that lineup. And if the Maple Leafs don't get themselves a really good fourth line, in my opinion, checking winger and, and even a checking center and also a really good top four defenseman, you're going to have major issues in the playoffs. And as you said, the lightning exposed the weaknesses that they had. And this is something when you have last matchups, especially at home, that's going to be a huge factor come playoff time. Even though even though he's not a big player and doesn't like you know provide the jam and the sandpaper that I think the Leafs need, what do you think of a guy like Carl Hagelin in terms of a uh, late rental situation? Because I mean I know the Kings are probably going to move him out as a rental before the deadline. He's got Cup winning experience and he's a very fast player. But I don't, what do you think of him as a playoff ad? I mean, again, he's shown the ability to show some key playoff goals. He shows the ability to play the penalty kill. He's nowhere near the threat he was a couple of years ago. But if, if he's fully healthy once he recovers from the knee injury and a guy you plug into your lineup, uh, down that down that point in time when he comes back, the salary cap hit will be somewhat minimal. I'm sure they're going to have a lot of suitors for him. You would think second rounder maybe, third rounder for him is probably something, probably third rounder or maybe a, a mid-tier prospect at best for him. But he is a guy that does fit. You can put him on the third and fourth line. You can put him on the power play. He's a guy you can put out there to try to change the dynamic of a game because of the speed that he presents. That's yeah. the type of guy that I would use, especially since he's known for being a checking line player as opposed to somebody who's a scoring player that you're going to move down a line. Yeah, if, you're, if you have him on your playoff team – you might get a shorthanded goal or two off from him in the playoffs, which is huge, and it could turn around a, a game or a series. So I would get him just based on that. Yeah, and the other thing is, and it's funny because after the Nylander signing, you thought you'd heard the last, last of the the Carolina-Toronto pipeline in terms of rumors, but basically it just started up with a different winger. Uh, Pierre Lebrun reported yesterday that – you know, Carolina is looking for forwards. They're looking for scoring forwards. And the name now coming out is Caspery Kapanen. And because Kapanen's got 12 goals, he was the best player on the ice for the Leafs, arguably, last night. He's an RFA at the end of the year. 
I don't think it's going to be a problem signing him because he's got he's got one year of ex, one year of top level performance, and this is not Nylander where he scored sixty points two years in a row. So I don't think it's going to cost him five million bucks to sign Kasperi Kapanen. But everybody realizes the Leafs need at top four D a right hand shot, and we know that Carolina's got Pesci and Falk and you know, Dougie Hamilton, and they're loaded on the right side. So that rumor keeps perpetuating, Russ, and I'm sure Rick Dudley is. William Nylander as a sniper, you don't have a deal. And they may not deem him as a sniper because he's really not. Yeah, but do, do they deem Kasper Kapanen as a sniper? No, I don't think they would. I don't know if he's a sniper, but he's a guy, in my opinion, he's, while Nylander is more of a setup guy, Kapanen is a guy who's more of a scorer in terms of a sure, goal. You know. Dan, what you know what we're saying here. I mean, when you have an owner looking yeah. for a sniper, yeah. you know, he's looking for a guy that's known for getting 30, 40 goals a okay. year. That's what he's I mean, again, other than the blues potentially maybe moving Tarasenko, and there's obviously issues with him there right now. Who who else is going to be out there that's going to be a 30, 40 goal score that you can maybe get? Well, that's the thing. I mean, they they could get Kovalchuk, who has scored 30 goals before. They yep. could get Tarasenko, perhaps, but I don't think St. Louis is going to part with Tarasenko. But Kovalchuk, you would call a sniper. It's going to be yes, someone but like. But he's also an over thirty-five contract, and if he decides to sign ours, they may not care. They could, they could care. get, they could get Bobby, they could get Bobby Ryan, but they just have to buy him some Kevlar gloves to say make sure his hands don't yeah. play. They might look at Ryan as a sniper. Like that's the, you know, that's the part of this that we don't know. We don't know what Tom Dundon considers a sniper, and I think he's waiting to trade those defensive assets for that type of player. So he's probably is calling about Tarasenko. He's probably calling about the highest end guys there are, Jeff Carter's, guys like that, and seeing if they're going to be able to shake them loose. Don Waddell's probably doing that. But what's going to happen is I don't think Tarasenko's ever going to go anywhere. Carter, I don't think they're ready to throw in the towel on yet. And so it is going to be hard to get one of those guys, Jan. You're right. Okay. Uh, but I think it'll block the Leafs in the interim because even though it looks like a team they could trade with, that's not what they're – the Leafs don't have a sniper to give up. Well, and the thing is, though, I think the Leafs will move on to other teams who – you know, there are other teams out there with defensemen. If Carolina is still playing footsie, you know, they don't they don't think that those players are – you know, I mean, I'm sorry. Casper Kapanen will score 20 goals this year. Nylander will score 20 again. He probably won't this year because he's only going to play about fifty-five games. That's not games. sniper territory, Mike. That's well, all. okay. Well, compared to what that – compared to the crap that they got – he doesn't I mean, think it's crap. He just well, says, you know, you know. Well, you're, I'm just saying. I mean, you, I'm giving you the other side. You I know you don't like four, it. You traded 45 goals or 40 goals right but now. He probably said he wasn't playing for them. We got to get off the Skinner I thing. Know, because, but I'm just saying, hey, you you trade a sniper, and now you're saying you need a sniper. I'm sorry, it, you know. Uh, no, anyway, all right. Um, next next game, uh, Buffalo Sabers are rebounding after a five game losing streak. They come back with a three one victory. They they won previous to this game, but they won three to one against the Arizona Coyotes. First, Russ, I'm a little a little confused here because we had heard it from from Arizona that they were going to go with a goaltender rotation uh, after the injury to Auntie Ranta. The last three games are Darcy Kemper, Darcy Kemper, and Darcy Kemper. That's a rotation. It'll be like Kemper, 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 Hill, Kemper, 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 Kemper. Kemper. <laughs> we don't know what the rotation is. It's yeah. just it's just words. So, look, Arizona's season's over. It doesn't really matter. We all knew that their season sort of hinged on Ronta and a few other things. It wasn't just Ronta. And, and uh, Jan, you weren't here for the show, but I go back to falling back on – 
If you signed Antiranta to be your number one and play 60 games, you were never going to get that out of Antiranta. Okay. <laughs> Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I mean, you know you what? Know what? I, I, he's, he's played, played very, very well. well. And I, I think he could have been the number one and gotten – 50 games. I think 60 was really stretching it in terms of the usage for him, in terms of overusing him. But 50, I thought, was realistic. And okay. I thought Kemper would be able to fill in based upon what he's shown at times in the past. Now, as you said, with him out, with Hinestroza out, with Grabner out, and with a couple of other injuries also, they're in a, they're in a whole heap of trouble right now. Yeah, 47 is the most he's ever played. So 50 is the number. And But again, knowing what this team was going to have to do to compete in the West – you needed to get something better than a guy who could literally only play 50 games. Uh, Skinner scored his, Skinner scored his 22nd goal of the year and Carter Hutton. Sniper, Mike, that's good. Right. He is. I mean, he's again, when he's healthy and the only issues he's had has been a couple of concussions in the past, he has proven to be a sniper. I mean, that's exactly what he is. And at his age, He's okay. going to get paid a lot of money in free agency this year. He's 26. I think he turns 27 before July 1st of next year. It's an old 26 because he's played since he's 18. And like you said, Jan, yeah. he's had a couple concussion problems. Um, I think that the the number that came out from one of the morning hosts on WGR in Buffalo that was like not over nine million dollars is just obscene and stupid. Because I don't think it's gonna cost I don't think it's gonna cost that much. And I don't think he can demand that much and, and actually get it. What do you think in terms of AAV? That Jeff Skinner will get if he continues this and say scores forty goals. What does he get on a, I'd say five year deal? Because I think seven he, seven five. Okay, so below eight. Jan, what do you think? I'm going eight and a quarter. Eight point two five. Okay. And I will tell you this: anytime Jan and I seem to volley around these things, it's usually somewhere in between that the real AAV. So eight eight million, which means he yeah. he's going to get as much as Phil Kessel. Yeah, but that was. But again, but that was. That was Phil Kessel for three years ago. You can't go by numbers anymore. It's not right. a fair right. comparison. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, the Columbus Blue Actually, Bears. there was something, Mike. There was something that happened in that game. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, did, did you mean the Jack Eichel hit from behind on Kristen Fisher? Yeah, so Jack Eichel is officially in that territory where he could give a dirty hit and not get penalized for it. Yeah. And, and I thought that that was kind of interesting. Now, Eichel and Fisher have played together as teammates before, mm -hmm. and – they showed the dads, and I'm assuming because I had the sound off, the Arizona dads made the trip, and it looked like Jack, it looked like Fisher's dad, if that was the one who got it, kind of looked like he was getting mad, wanted to maybe belt Eichel for that hit because Fisher went off with a bloody mouth, and after you know getting shoved into the boards, it was it was into the dasher. Is I think into the dasher, yes. dasher, yeah. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets beat the L.A. Kings like most people have done, four to one. Uh, Bobrovsky with the victory. Panarin with his eighth goal and ninth goals of the season. Joe, uh, J uh, Josh Anderson with 13 goals. Um, Jonathan Quick with the loss, Russ. And I heard discussion about this on uh, TSN radio with uh, Darren Drager, who's one of the insiders, talking about the viability of Quick being moved. And I know we talked, talked about that before in connection with Philadelphia and some other yeah. teams. And the thing that he came up with, he's like, you know, the number is manageable. The term may be make teams hesitate but the real question about quick is the durability and that's why if it's the flyers when you're talking about goalies like 
Neuverth, and Elliott who have had consistent injury problems. Do you really want to trade to, trade for somebody who's got another four years at over five million bucks that you don't know can stay in the lineup? All right, but here's the, here's the problem with this: we are maybe talking about twenty five percent of the goalies in the league who don't have some sort of injury history because even Pekka Rene has the groin problem too. I mean, there's very few goalies that have like don't have reoccurring injuries of some sort. Lundqvist has been one who's been pretty lucky. He hasn't had too many. Uh, you know, Varlamov had the one year where he was hurt, but he might be the least injured guy that would be on the market. But that doesn't mean you should take him just because he's had the best injury history. So I don't know if you could just look at it that way. But I think the bigger question is, and I know the anonymous scout is probably watching, is will Jonathan Quick ever yield from playing, you know, 60 games? And will Jonathan Quick even want to get traded? Because he holds the hammer, right? Yeah, he's. A, I think he is a no move. And that was part of the reason why I think he took a little less to stay yeah. in L.A. I mean, you know, honestly, do, would you really want – I mean, we know that L.A. is going to go through probably a two- to three-year rebuild. They're probably going to try to shed salary. Although, but it might have yeah. to do with family. Like that's Family counts more now than it did in the 70s and 80s. And so when you're talking about this, and especially a guy who's won cups – yeah. You know, he may not want to move anymore. Right. That's a possibility that nobody's sort of mentioning. Now, the the aforementioned Carolina Hurricanes, they took another loss yesterday against the Montreal Canadiens. Jan, the thing I thought was funny about this is that I heard just before the game that the that the Hurricanes had requested that the Canadians wear their, well, what are right now road whites, but have, well, for a long time have been their home whites, so the Hurricanes could wear their red jerseys. And that the, uh, the aforementioned Thomas Dundon does not like the Hurricanes' white jerseys and wants to have them wear their red jerseys as much as possible. Um, now, I'll tell you what, I, I, we talked about this before. I prefer having the home team wear white and the road teams come in wearing their different colors because you get to see the variety of colors. Otherwise, you just see your home team in the dark jersey and the other team in white, and it's the same boring thing every single time. So I'm actually on board with that in terms of Dundon, but you know, it just this guy is concerning himself with things that are so trivial and well, not concerning himself with the, with the aspects of his team that need to be improved. He's looking at the marketing of it. That's what he's looking at. Uh, I, you know, baseball is the one who's ridiculous. They're the ones who have like six jerseys and you never know what they're wearing in baseball. I think the rule should just be simply home team gets to choose away team. You wear what you wear and that's it. And that, that's the way it should go. And and whatever colors, you, you know, that are in available in the lexicon of your jerseys, that's what you could do. But I always think it should be the home team's choice. I'm on, yeah. I'm on board with that. Just as you said, in baseball, there's so many permutations. You can't keep track. I think yeah. was the Cincinnati Reds are having like 26 <laughs> combinations next year or something. Yeah. Like that. 26? <laughs> 26? Yeah. You can match tops with bottoms and hats. and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I know I see I see the Mets wear that, that black jersey, which used to be like – I like this. the black one. Don't start ripping on the black <laughs> one, Mike. No, but it used to be their spring training jersey, didn't it? No, oh, they – so the mid early two thousands, they started wearing it. Correct. So I will have the David Wright rookie one is from two thousand four. They wore the black, and it's not. I don't. I also know the all white ones they used to wear also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a traditionalist. I you know the the white pinstripe 
home jersey, the gray jersey for the Yankees on the road. That's why, like, when they have that uh, thing with the, the stupid uh, softball names on the back of them, like All Rise for Judge and whatever, Gardner for Gardner. It's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm upset about it because you're not supposed to have the names of the players on the well, jerseys. That was, that was marketed to kids, basically, also. I mean, that was the whole yeah. purpose of that this weekend. Just, just remember this, Mike. The Yankees are a fully functioning Death Star. That's all you need to know. <laughs> of which somebody already made that T-shirt, by the way, with the pinstripes on it that I saw yesterday. <laughs> uh, That's funny. The uh, the Death that Star, huh? <laughs> Nothing. Just another Death Star reference. Oh, just, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The National Predators beat the uh, Vancouver Canucks four to three. Um, funny, it was brought up on Hockey Central today, and I I, I know that he had been out, but. Um, they're doing all this. They're having the season that they're having. And P.K. Subban has been out for a significant chunk of time. And apparently um, it, it, it's, it doesn't sound like it's an injury that, that he's going to come back very quickly from. And I have to say that I'm impressed that the, the Predators haven't skipped a beat without, you know, an arguably a Norris Trophy can't, uh, level uh, defenseman on their roster. Sure, but, but they – they're going to want him at some point. I agree with you. I think what's more interesting in this game is something that continues to grow is Elias Patterson got another point. So he's got 33 points in 28 games, and he's a plus 11. Like, this is a pretty well-rounded rookie, man. This is this is going into crazy good territory. But the other thing that – He's crazy good. He is crazy good. The other thing that um, doesn't really get talked about, and, and it's starting to pick up, is that Kyle Torres is, is starting to pick up some steam and everybody wants to sort of jump on, you know, his salary. But now that you see that this is sort of like a really well-rounded team, one of the best teams, yeah. some of those players that appeared to have salaries that maybe were a little high, they're starting to produce too. So this is a dangerous team. I mean, we knew they'd be dangerous. They're going to take them. They're going to go pretty far and they've got depth on defense too. Also, yeah. couple of things. So, so in terms of Subban, he may be back in a week, suppose he was the report a couple of days right. ago. And you talk about – you look at that top four blue line. I mean, that that's a stout top four with a oh, yeah. 5-6 and a pretty elite goalie in Rene and what he's shown. Torres came back yesterday. He had been out since November 23rd and had an assist. And they're also doing with without Philippe Forsberg, who just went out, who's going to miss another three to five weeks. And Arvidsson. And Arvidsson. Yeah, got like Ryan Hartman, who stepped in pretty ably. Yeah, up front. It was a nice little acquisition by that team. It's played very well and surprisingly so. So that is a really good Nashville team that doesn't get talked about. But let's not go through the fact that we're going to see Winnipeg and Nashville again in the uh, in the. In we're the, not going to. No, no. Uh, Minnesota's coming out of the West. They they are still coming out of the West. Okay, uh, Russ. Okay. Well, whatever. years ago when they had that really good I, record, right? You'll see. I, I was I was going to bring this up a little later, but. When you bring up that, you know, Nashville versus Winnipeg, I know that, you know, there were a lot of questions being asked of some of the Leaf players before the game yesterday regarding the, quote, unfairness of the playoff format. And, yeah, I, I can understand from their point of view where they're going to get 105 to 110 points and probably face two teams, either Tampa Bay or Boston, in the first round where they're going to probably be the underdog because – a, they haven't proved they can beat Boston, and B, you saw what they did against Tampa, and Tampa's a loaded team. They're one of the best teams in the league. So I, I don't know what the solution is if it's going back to the 1-8 format or or whatever, but 
you know, there are there are teams out there and there are conference or uh, division situations where you're not going to get the best matchups going in the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals because some of these teams will be out by the second round. It's true. I mean, we've discussed this a whole bunch. I mean, I know there's a lot of consternation and been a lot of discussion on this. Determining the playoff format moving forward, especially with the league expanding, to me, that's the perfect opportunity if you're going to revamp it. Go ahead and revamp it. Go back to maybe one through eight in each conference and go that route. And that way you set up some of the quote-unquote sexier matchups when it comes to the finals as opposed to some of the stuff we've seen. They're never going to go back one to 16. No. From a logistic perspective and a cost perspective. But you can do one through eight in each conference. And go back to that kind of routine is the, probably the best way to do it. Do you want them to go back to the best of three first round like they did in the no, early? No, season? no, no. Yes, yeah, so we, we start going to adding extra teams to the playoffs and doing seven. No crossover. Games. Crossover. We don't want crossovers. None of that. Jan, you're going to see that though. I'm telling you, in the new CBA, they're, uh, they're, it's being it's being leaked out there. I bet I bet you the owners are going to want that. There's going to be. A play in seven ten versus eight and eight nine. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. They see what baseball did with the wild card, and they they think it's the it's the best thing since sliced bread. But it works in baseball. It's much harder, I think, in hockey to do it. It right. is harder in hockey. I do think it's a different feel for baseball. I do. I don't know why. I can't really give you. I, I, I can't quantify it, but I do think that um, for baseball, look, you never want to decide any series in one game, right? But I think for baseball, because it is such a long season, there have been seasons where they've played 163 games, like when the Mets beat the Reds, and simply because there was just a tie. So I think baseball's had it occur before. Hockey's never had it occur, and I I don't know if you'd really need it to occur. Yeah, a couple other games. uh, The aforementioned Minnesota Wild 5-1 over the hapless uh, Florida Panthers. Right, so it's a bad win for Minnesota. Got it, Mike. (laughs) He's all on this Minnesota thing. What's going on there, Russ? Put a little money down? Nope. No money. Okay. Just gut. Gut Just feeling. Okay. Just gut. Look, I like Dubnik. He finally started to pick it up again. For well, that's, three he, weeks there, he was pretty hellacious. He was, but that's what he does, right? He he starts off a certain way, and then when he gets on a roll, there he's quite capable. Remind uh, me next time when I'm having my fantasy draft that I make sure to keep that in mind as I'm going. Uh, but Dave Staylock is a backup, and that's a hell of a backup. Oh, well, yeah. Well, he played well in San Jose a couple years ago, also. So, the uh, the Winnipeg Jets uh, beat Edmonton five to four in overtime on a Josh Morrissey goal. Um, and by the way, by the way, no, look how good Josh Morrissey's becoming. I mean, he is becoming a really, really good defenseman. And they're going to have it's going to be some interesting decisions to see what they do with Jacob Truba, seeing how well Morrissey has panned out there. Well, I, I mean, don't think I don't think anybody's surprised at that. I mean, he always had the talent. I think he's different than Truba in that we all believe Truba can play better defensively, but they're still going to go with Morrissey because of the offense. Like there's no question. And and one more thing in that game is Darnell Nurse taking over from the top power play unit for Clefbaum with Clefbaum out, and they yeah. need Nurse to play well for them to have any shot of staying within the race. There, you know, I got to tell you, Clefbaum that's not out. really his role. It might have no. been in juniors. He's really not that guy. He's got to. But he's gonna have no choice now because I don't I think they're importing anybody. This is where this is where they miss Sakara. They miss right. a lot. But but in regards to Morrissey, I mean, they were lucky they got him on the bridge deal. They got another year of him at three million dollars, and they're gonna make their decision on Truba this summer because Truba's one year away from unrestricted free agency. And if they go if they go to arbitration, that means they let him walk for nothing. So as Peter Peter has said on previous shows, this will probably be the last year that you see. 
Truba in a, in a Winnipeg jersey because they have to sign Morrissey now. They they can open up that that window on July first. Get him. You have to get him locked up. And now, if he's growing into that two way defenseman where he can score ten goals a year, you just can't afford. I mean, maybe you trade Bufflin, but I don't think they're going to do that either. So I think they're going to they're going to move Truba this summer. This they upcoming will move summer. This summer. Going back to Edmonton just for a second, I would just use I would use McDavid running the power play. I would. You know, five forwards. You mean? Yep. Hitchcock wouldn't do it, but you know what? I think if they did it, they would get surprisingly great results because McDavid is totally capable. And honestly, he's probably the best guy on the team to do it anyhow, but Clefbaum does have a good shot. Yeah. I just worry that that Nurse's shot is not that accurate, and, and that's going to cause – it's going to be like Dan McGillis. I don't know if it's going to be that bad, but Dan McGillis had a great shot too, but he just never got it on in the right spot on that. Yeah, and he and he had the most hits in the NHL when he was in Edmonton, and that was because of the fakes, the the bad uh, scorekeeping. Yeah. Uh, last game was uh, Sharks beating the uh, Dallas Stars, uh, three to two. Uh, Sharks, you know, now seventeen, eleven, and five. They're starting to they're starting to get up. up. Very, yeah. very quietly, they're moving up. No and Timo and Joe Pavelski's been absolutely on fire the last couple. And, of years. and he's a UFA at the end of the year, so this yep. is a salary drive. And Timo never, ever, ever, not even for ten minutes. Yep, Timo Meyer, Russ, eighteen I goals. I know. I there were people ripping me last year because like Timo Meyer wasn't like doing maybe as well as I thought he could do, and it you know it, sometimes it takes a little bit for guys to click, but he is a highly skilled. <laughs> Really good goal scorer. He's fast. He's got some size. Timo Meyer has always had this in him, so I'm I'm happy for the kid. But yeah, Pravelski, trust me, he's never hitting the open market. Okay, um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the World Junior here before we yep. uh, take your questions in the chat, so you can start putting them in there now. Um, Russ, I, I, it's sometimes dangerous to take things sort of off of a tweet and out of context, but. Pierre Maguire was on TSN 690, which I believe is in Calgary, and was asked about NHL teams tanking for Jack Hughes. And his response was, and Jack Hughes will be you know, one of Team USA's best players in the upcoming World Junior in Vancouver and Victoria. And he said of Hughes, he's not Nathan McKinnon. He's not Connor McDavid. He's not Austin Matthews. I think it's a reach to call him a generational player, a big reach. I think he's completely wrong. I don't think he's seen him play enough. I think when Mitch Gallo says Nico Heischer, he's completely wrong. Uh, Nico Heischer has some really great playmaking abilities, not like Jack Hughes. I'm telling you, you can run an entire team's offense through Jack Hughes. Power play, even strength. I'm telling you, that's the kind of player he is. Nico Heischer, when he got 52 points last year, he's nowhere near that this year. You know, might top out at 60, 65 points one year. Jack Hughes could top out at 80-85 when he gets to be right in the NHL. I think he will be a similar point producer to Austin Matthews. I do. I don't think he is McKinnon, but actually he might be just as good a skater. And McKinnon's got that speed through the neutral zone, and, and Hughes is the more of the new age edges guy. And you're going to see Jack Hughes, guys, he gets behind the defense. Like, guys cannot track him for long. Well, well, let me let me ask this: Is wow. I mean, first of all, I, and this is my personal belief: this is size bias because right. Hughes is five ten and what one hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah. Um, the only it might thing be one sixty might be. Yeah. The only thing I question is whether 
his fate will be similar to say Mitch Marner's who's you know Mitch Marner's 6 foot and 160 pounds and maybe teams see him more as a winger but but his his vision on the ice his abilities to set up plays his speed and his edge work i mean that's something you want to utilize up the middle that's not something you want to relegate to a wing position just talking about Jackson. No, I'm saying I'm, I'm saying I'm saying there are some teams that might see the size. No, of no, no, no. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, he's I, already I, great. At, he's already really good at faceoffs. Like I think when he comes in the league, he'll be better. Uh, he could be better than Connor McDavid on faceoffs in in a year, one year out. I think he might. You look at think about it, right? Look at what Crosby was when he came into the league. That was an area of weakness for him. Right. He worked and worked and worked and became better. So even if it is something he has to work on. Oh, he will have to work on it just from a strength perspective, which is something he'll work on in the NHL anyway. Yeah, but everything is there for him to be great at faceoffs. And if you think about it, that's the one failing of McDavid's game is he's under fifty percent. It's the only failing. So, Russ, I'll ask you this question because you can answer better than me. If if Hughes had been draft eligible the last several years, right, where mm -hmm. would he have gone in the draft? Well, Maybe give me a year. overall. You got to give me the year. So, two thousand. Well, use last. Use last year. Use last year. Last year he would have gone first overall. Okay, what about the Nico Heischer year? He probably would have gone first overall. He would have also. gone first overall. And the year before that, sixteen. That's second. where second after Matthews. That's where it gets debatable, and he probably would have gone second. Okay, yeah. but ahead of but ahead of ahead of Line A because yes. you know the center the center bias when it right. comes so, to so Russ he's, so Mike he's basically in essence somewhat of a generational type of talent. So I, I, I don't think yeah, that's why it matters. That's why I think Pierre Maguire's response is sort of bizarre because yeah, I think I, he's the only one who I, I I've heard say that Jack Hughes isn't somebody somebody who uh, teams shouldn't tank for. I think first of all, I think teams if 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 there are teams out there like St. Louis and Chicago and Los Angeles that are so far out of out of the playoffs, I don't care who the first pick is. You should tank because the, 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 it just increases your chances Here, of getting another thing. So fast out in in the chat room is saying Alexis Lafreniere is better than Hughes, right? And so I've seen Lafreniere play, and all I could say is don't get seduced by junior points because Hughes for the last two years has been playing against college teams. The NTDP has been playing against more college teams. So he's been playing against older players now for right. a couple of years. So if you want to say Lafreniere is better because he's 6'1", 185, I, I'm disagreeing with you. So. Now, now, Russ, Team Team USA could have been a lot stronger had it been, you know, not been for Brady Kachuk playing really well with the Senators, sure, with sure. Casey Middlestat playing with the Sabers, and the Sabers are not going to let Middlestat go go to the World no. Junior. But they're still pretty good. I mean, the Hughes brothers. I mean, they're, they're, it is going to be a pretty strong team. The team's going to go through the Hughes brothers. Like that's going to be the fun part of this because, except for like NHL All Star games, we're never going to see these guys play together again. And that's going to be an amazing thing to see them playing on the power play together and some at even strength, depending on where they match up in that game. These guys, these guys are fun, man. They're smart. They skate great. They pass great. They uh, they won't have the telepathy of like the Sedins or anything because they haven't played together at high levels very much either. But I bet you they'll click. Are you going to Vancouver, Russ? No, I am not. Not this year. I'm going to draft, but not for that. Is U.S. Canada again on what Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, like they always do? Or? Be, but I don't know that for certain. I didn't look at the schedule. It came out yesterday. 
and I haven't had a chance to look at it. Someone in the chat room probably will say. It's always a great tournament. I mean, but some of the names this year, it should be a lot of fun to watch this tournament. Together. Yeah, Kravtsov, I will tell you that um, sometime later today or tomorrow on Sportsology, I've got a little bit of an exclusive coming on Kravtsov, and so that's um, something to keep an eye out for. He'll be great. For um for Russia, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. I don't want to see Keandre Miller for U.S. Obviously, Keandre Miller is another key player. I'm I'm going to tell you, watch the two lesser guys that Pittsburgh cleaned up with on the draft last year, Philip Hallander for Sweden and, and Addison and Callen Addison. Yep. I think will really yep. shine this year right. and show people. When there was rumors about if the, if Pittsburgh was going to you know make a trade and look to get a guy, and they were going to look to deal somebody, I was like, yeah, I don't want Sprong. I don't want those guys. I want Addison. That's the guy yeah. I want. Yeah, I don't know at this point if he's even tradable. Because no, I mean, he got him, what, second round, I think he got him? Second round, yeah. And now, the third round, right? Second round. Now, Team Canada right now, um, they may have an injury problem with Alex Formanton, the really yeah. quick uh, uh, forward that uh, played some games with Ottawa this year. the fastest forward. I mean, yeah, him, on that team, I don't know if Hughes, if you put him next to Hughes, it would be close. Formanton might be, like, straight line faster, but yeah. Hughes, I think, is is more elusive with the way he skates and the speed. And it's a knee injury, so, I mean, that would not obviously affect his speed. I know that Bob McKenzie said right now the best player that he's seen on Team Canada's roster was a Bruins draft pick, Jack Stadnicka. Stadnicka um, really, you know, it's funny. What's funny about him is preseason, he really gave it a go at making that team. And and we, um, we spoke to um, – oh, now I'm forgetting. Jamie he, – he used to be with the Dallas Stars. Langenbrunner? Yeah, Langenbrunner, who's with the Bruins. Yeah. And, and he said Stunika was dead set on making that team. Dead set. And was a little upset when he didn't. So now I think we're all seeing this, like, extra chip on him. And he already had a great game. Already had a great game rolling and coming. And so now I think we're really going to see it in the World Juniors. It's going to be fun. It's I mean, nice that 10 years later, like, I, I would say – 14 years ago, I really used to bitch about no coverage at all in the U.S., and then it started to get a little better, a little better. Last three or four years, a little better. Now it seems like their NHL network's finally, like, almost going all in, like not just Team USA games. Yeah, and uh, and with Canada, they're really strong up the middle. Morgan Frost, Barrett Hayton, yeah. um, Evan, you know, Evan Bouchard on defense. I mean, they're, they're, they're really – and right now it sounds like it's going to be Michael DiPietro and uh, Leaf draft pick Ian Scott as the two goaltenders. I think so. DiPietro will end up being the guy. Yeah, probably. He's got the pedigree. He's won a Memorial Cup. And he's pretty – he's a pretty steady Eddie. I don't know – I don't know if he's a superstar. Yeah. You know, I – I, I go back. I go back to um, 2005. Mike, who was um, who was the Leafs goalie they got from? Team? Oh, Justin Pogi. Justin Pogi was a very good goalie, right? Yeah. He won. He won the gold medal. He he was very solid. He just never got any better. I think DiPietro is a, a notch above Justin Pogi. He probably can't cook like him because I know Pogi's a chef. <laughs> but, but I don't know if DiPietro is like an NHL star yet. I don't know about that. Yeah, and, and the only reason I think Scott has an outside chance is because he's twenty-two and one right now with Prince Albert in the WHL. Yeah. He just got signed to a an ELC by the Leafs. But I mean that record, you know, they may want to go with the hot goalie, but I, I don't know. I mean DPS never goes with the hot anything. It always seems like right. it's based on how they look in camp and and what they thought of them when they built the roster. Goalies and look, let's face it, sometimes Team Canada gets it wrong on goalies too. Yes. 
Well, we'll we'll talk about more about this because there's some players on Finland and on Sweden that will be on the lookout. Oh yeah, I, I'm just giving you a few players here. Yeah, but uh, let's 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 go to the let's go yes. to the chat. We'll go to some questions here that we can ask. They can ask all of us in the next five to ten minutes. Uh, go ahead, Ross. All right. So we did. John Murphy asked about you know Hughes, and I did answer the absurdity of of that comparison. Russ, do you think the Flames will make a move for a goalie? Uh I don't think they're going to be able to. I think too many teams are looking for a goalie, and unless they do it now, I just I, I think I think they will. But the question is, first of all, I think they would have to move Smith out, right? Which is going to be hard enough on its own. Yeah, but they could eat salary on that because it's only for the rest of this year. They have the cap space to do that. I mean, to get another team to take them and then take – I mean, I could see Craig Anderson, somebody like that, a, a proven playoff guy who's got another year left in his contract. I don't know about, you know, going down the road of a rental. Like, a, you know, Var, you know, they're not, you know, Colorado's not going to trade Varlamov. Uh, Columbus is probably not going to trade Bobrovsky. So, you know, a Craig Anderson or – you know, I, I mean, you want Jake Allen? I, I don't know if I'd want him, but I, mean, I, I, think, I Anderson. think they're going to look at any of what's out there as an upgrade. And you don't I think, think Anderson would be an upgrade over Mike Smith? Yeah. No. I mean, again, it all, I think it all depends on how, how hurt Smith is. And honestly, Riddich played fairly well when he stood in for Smith. When Smith I think they're going to end up doing with that. I think Jan's right. I think they like Riddich a lot, a lot yeah. more obviously than Gillies, who they just called up, even though Smith may not miss much time. I think they may give Riddich a shot to kind of run with the role if Smith is going to miss some more time and see – what happens given where they are in the standings? I think so too. Uh, and I do like Gillies, but I haven't seen him in a year. So we have to see. Esmir asked, do you think the Penguins have given up on Matt Murray since it's no. getting hard for him to stay healthy? No. I think, like I said, with his dad dying and, and just injuries, I think he'll be fine. I think once he gets back, the team will be fine. I'm not. He's got, I'm not, he's got a lot of rope. He won two Stanley Cups in his first yeah. two years. He's got a lot of rope. I, I, I appreciate the post of Guy Latouche who said, and I got to <laughs> I, he said that I was dead on about Timo Meyer. That was very nice. Uh, Latouche. Okay. Yeah, it's a, you know, we got a fancy crowd here. Um, <laughs> Golden Joy is new to the show, and the question was – Welcome. I want to ask about Matt Zuccarello, my favorite Ranger. Do you see a role for him for Quinn, and what other teams would want him? Uh, I don't see a role for him with Quinn, and I do think he's going to get traded – where do I think he might go? I think a team like Edmonton would be interested in him. I think a uh, whenever there's an ex Ranger, I think Tampa's involved. Yeah, I don't think I don't, I don't think, think Tampa this time because I don't know if they're gonna. They would have to give somebody of like pretty decent salary going back. So I think Tyler, Tyler Johnson. I, I think Dallas could be interested because Dallas could use a a wily guy like that. If if you yeah. notice, Spetsa's having like a great year for them. You put, you know, two adept guys like that, Spezza and Zuccarello, on the same power play. But could this could this be could this line. let me ask this to both of you since you're Rangers experts, could this be the Jaris Familia trade of, of the hockey season, meaning that yeah, Zuccarello gets traded and he yeah. comes back? Yeah, I could see. I mean, again, I think um Elliot Freeman is 31 Thoughts podcast mentioned Nashville. I'm not sure if I'd find that a direct fit. I could also see a team like Colorado. Maybe having some interest to bolster a veteran the guy yeah. and put him on the second line. I mean, I do think obviously Zuccarello loves New York. I mean, I was one of those, and Russ knows with the blog, beating the drums to bring him back when he went over the KHL for a while and thought it was really stupid they didn't bring him back. And one yeah. of those guys, look, he took a hometown discount 
to a certain extent to stay there. He could have gotten more money at the time when he signed his contract. And I think the point now is I think he wants to stay in New York. The only question becomes is what happens with the rest of the roster around him? And since they're going to be in rebuilding mode, as you said, if you want to call it the Jerris Familiar type trade, because Familiar desperately wanted back in New York, you could get a thing if he's willing to come back at a fairly significant discount to what he's already signed for now just because he wants to be back in New York and he'd probably be a third-line player on the well, Rangers if he came back down the road. Well, okay, let me ask this. Kevin Hayes, keeper, or is he gone? I uh, know. I think he's gone. Okay. Namastikov, keeper, is he gone? He's keeper for now because I don't think they know what he is yet. Uh, I mean, Namastikov has played better since he, since he got scratched earlier in the year. I was not a big fan of signing. First of all, A, you know, last year when the trade went down, we all knew he was a product of the line mates that he was on. And right. he played, wasn't play, playing particularly well earlier this year, but he stepped up when he got moved to the top line with Kreider and Zabinijad. I wasn't a big fan of giving him a two-year deal, but I know talking to Russ and others, they felt it made him more attractive because he was cost-secure. For the right. $4 million, you look at what the Rangers did with the with the Strom deal, where they ended up training Spooner for Strom but kept $900,000 of cap hit in order to facilitate a deal. You yeah. could find something similar happen now, getting another guy on a short-term deal and flip him if he doesn't work out also. Do you think they rent Hayes or do you think they keep him? Um, I mean, I go back and forth. Look, I, I'm biased. I think Kevin Hayes and Russ and I disagree on this, I think, at times. I think Hayes has a lot more to give offensively. Not at times, was, every time. I, I think he was sheltered last – yeah, that's true. I think he was sheltered last year. I think he's blossomed in the new role. I think I think if you could – the problem is, is you do have a backlog or a logjam of, of centers potentially, depending on what you want to do with Heedle and Anderson and how you want to deploy each of them. Are they centers – or are they wingers? In my opinion, I personally think Hayes should be brought back. The question becomes length of deal. Is it five or six years? Dollars? Can you get him for $6 million? And does he want a no movement or no trade clause? To me, are the three big components that they have to decide when it comes to Hayes. I think there will be substantive discussions that take place right around the new year in a couple of weeks to see the direction they want to go. And then they'll make a decision. Are you going to move him this year and hope to get him back? Or are you going to sign him long term and say, look, we're locking you up? But again, the cap is going up. And they yeah. will have enough room based on yeah, how they They can add Pattern or Stone without a problem. I worry about Hayes becoming like a fat cat if you lock him up to too high a salary. He's well, shown it's it's possible. It, it is possible. It has been in his nature. He is a good player. No matter what, I think you, you let him go for the assets, and then if he really wants to come back, he'll come back. Okay. Next question, Russ. Next question. Do I think the, this is from BK Ups? Do I think the Rangers will be go big on UFA if if, yes. If guys like Stone hit the market. Yes, I do. I Panarin, think, Stone. I think Panarin and Carlson are on their radar. That's that's who I think are on their radar. Do you think they find a sucker to take Mark Stahl? No. Okay. Uh, Wait, hold on. Stahl, honestly, besides Frederick Clayson, has been their most consistent defenseman this year. He's had a good year. He's, yeah. had, a good, he's had a good year, but I'm talking about I'm, I'm not talking about the quality of the player. I'm talking about the salary and the well, term. Uh, yeah, I, I – very, he's got. First of all, I think he's got a no movement clause. You'd have to get his buy in. It depends okay. on where he would go. Secondly, it also depends on how you're going to construct the rest of your team. Because you know, again, I, I was a big proponent of bringing in Shattenkirk. I thought defensively he would be a lot better. He's been snake bit a bit by injuries, but he hasn't been particularly good. But Stahl's only got two years left at five point seven million dollars, which is a lot of money after this deal. But if you can facilitate a deal where you eat part of the cap hit as opposed to buying him out. That right. may be a direction in which they go, and especially when you have Brendan Smith and Shattenkirk, and also Brady Shea with the way he's played, eating up a ton of cap room and not necessarily bringing back the bang for the buck that you signed him to. Right. All right. Um, 
we'll go with like one or two more and then that's yeah. it washed out wants to know what teams do you think will be most interested in wayne simmons and what do you think the flyers could get for him i i think the leafs and the canadians uh if they were looking for the leafs you would you would want to try and get Kapanen. you would but i think that would be contingent on if they if the leafs could lock up it's, simmons. it's funny it's funny because I heard Carl Koliakovo, former Leaf, who former St. Louis Blue, who um, is now a radio host in Toronto, and he was talking about Wayne Simmons, who's playing right wing, but he says he's played left wing in the past. I would assume that's with L.A. Um, yeah. And even though he's a right-hand shot, and that's where the Leafs need help. So if he can play left wing, which he says he can, then uh, then I think the Leafs would be totally in. But they're not going to be the only team. I think Boston would be in on Wayne. Simmons. I, yeah, I just don't know if Boston wants to really give up much because they have so many injury problems. But I think the other team is Montreal. And if I were the Flyers, I'd say, sure, I would trade your Wayne Simmons for Noah Juleson. Let's do it. <laughs> that's their only defensive – him or Victor Mede. But they so. traded but- – but they've traded defensive prospects before, Mike. I mean, yeah. Do you think they learned from their previous stupidity? I don't know. I don't know. That's so, it. That's I mean, I they traded what? Was it Sergachev they traded to Tampa? Sergachev for Drouin. Yeah. And wait, wait. If they didn't learn from McDonough trade and not trade Sergachev, why do you think that the second trade is going to make them look? Yeah, learning? that was two different general managers. Yeah, so. and they made the same mistake with each general manager. So your it's the organization as a whole. That's why I'm reaching out and I'm trying to get Noah Juleson. Thank you. <laughs> Any more? Nope, that's it. All right, sorry as I'm eating ice. All right, guys, great show. Uh, We will be back on Monday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. Enjoy your hockey weekend for Jan Levine, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.